Hi, I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in San Diego. Thank you so much for watching today. If you'd like to support the work that we do here, please consider making a contribution. Go to our website. It's easy to do. Thank you in advance for that contribution. This week, Reverend Wendy continues her series, Deepening in Our Practice. Reverend Wendy presents a talk that explores and expresses the truths of unity. Reverend Wendy helps us understand that God is all there is and we are one with God, and that there are real-world practical things that we can do to deepen our experience of spirituality and help us in our daily lives. So guess what I'm talking about this morning? Love and connection and belonging. We have been exploring some of the practices that take us deeper and further in our spiritual journey. And we're actually bringing this series to a close this morning with the topic of love and connection and the sense of belonging. I believe that this quality, this experience of love, the need for connection, the need for belonging is actually a very real core need for the entire human species. I believe it's part of our very genetic DNA, our very makeup on a physiological level as well as on a spiritual level. When you think about it, if we hadn't learned how to somehow work together, we wouldn't be here today, right? We wouldn't be here today. There are historical reminders to us that our very existence is the result of us learning how to work together, learning how to be together, crowdsourcing, if you will, our ability to find food and shelter and to, to um, be protected against threats and harm. And so this experience of love and connection is not just something that's nice. It's not just something that feels good. It's really critical to our well-being. Did you know that when people feel alone and lonely, that there's a physiological response to that? That in that state for too long, and things start to happen that are not positive on the health level, our immune system becomes compromised, the experience of inflammation increases. Did you know that when a person experiences deep social rejection, that if you were to do an MRI of their brain, that the very same part of the brain that responds to physical pain is the same part that responds to that emotional pain of disconnection, of isolation, we need each other in the truest sense of the word. I wanna ask you a couple of questions. I wanna ask you, what does it truly take for you personally to feel connected to someone? What does it take for you to feel connected to someone? Think about that for just a moment. Don't let it just be a rhetorical question. What does it take for you to feel connected to someone? And if something comes into your awareness, Take notes, because that's your own insight coming into your consciousness. As I was thinking about that, I found that there are four things that when they are present, those are the things that cause me to feel a genuine connection to another person. And these are those four things. When I feel that I am seen, 
when I feel that I am seen, I feel the starting at least of connection. When I feel that I am heard, not necessarily agreed with, not necessarily agreed with, but that when I'm heard, I feel a connection. When I am accepted, accepted for how I am, good, bad, the ugly, and everything in between, I feel a connection. And when I am affirmed in some way, I feel a connection. Do you resonate with any of those? Can you imagine, can you imagine what our families would be like, what our schools would be like, what our businesses would be like, what our communities would be like, our churches would be like, our country and our world would be like, if we really took as a purpose for our very existence to give out these kinds of experiences to one another, to realize that we all need that feeling of love and connection and belonging, and that we can extend that opportunity for another to feel connected by how we show up in every situation and in every interaction. Do we help the other to truly feel as if they've been seen? Truly feel as if they've been seen? Do we help the other to really experience that we have heard them? Can we say to them when they're pouring out their heart or their soul, take your time, take all the time you need I am listening. Can we accept them and have them feel accepted in that moment for who they are and how they are, even in the midst of maybe their unskillful behavior as they're trying to get out whatever it is that they need to get out? And can we help them to feel affirmed? You know, so much of spiritual growth is anchored in two things. It's anchored in a teaching that we implement, a teaching that somehow we resonate to, that makes sense to our mind, to our heart and our soul, and that we feel that we can enter into and practice. But that teaching is not enough. To really experience our awakening, to really experience growing spiritually, we need community. We need the other in which we help them to feel seen, heard, affirmed, and appreciated or accepted, and that help us to feel that as well. In Buddhism, it is called the Sangha, and it is a key part of Buddhist practice, the Sangha, the community. In Christianity, in the very early days of Christianity, there weren't buildings, there weren't churches. People met together in small groups. And they talked about this, I'm gonna use my word, crazy guy Jesus. <laughs> and they tried to remember some of the really then very radical ideas that he expressed. They were probably afraid as well, for it was pretty risky to try to continue on in what his teachings were, or even perhaps to say you, you followed him or you wanted to know more about him. But remember, part of the benefit of connecting with one another and being in community is what? We are stronger together. We're bolder together. 
We're meant to be together. So it's a very, very real need for us. So I asked you what helps you to feel connected, and I shared with you what works for me. But I also ask you, how well do you think we're doing this right now as a human species? Not very well? Some of you are going like this. I don't think we're doing too well either. I don't think we're doing too well either. I do believe, I really do believe, that consciousness has been evolving since we have started to awaken as beings to begin with. That consciousness is evolving. I believe that humanity is evolving, but evolution is a really slow process. <laughs> a very, very slow process. But I also believe that we can accelerate this kind of evolution, if you will, the evolution of consciousness. We can accelerate by, how, by what we practice and how we practice it. And so community is a really important part, I believe, of that evolution of consciousness, that we are meant to grow and evolve, that we are really called to love, that we are called to rise above, and that we must trust that call. And so now we are not so much threatened by the kinds of things that the first Homo sapiens were threatened by, but we are threatened, if you will, in other ways today. And what is a little, what is alarming to me is when I see those of us who are really, say we are truly committed to our spiritual growth and our spiritual practice, if we step back from and away from the very difficult issues facing our country and our world today, then we are not helping, we're actually hindering the acceleration of consciousness and the awakening of consciousness. People who are committed to their spiritual practice, who are committed to awakening and staying awake, are the very ones who have to stay engaged in the tough situations that are showing up in the world today. Would you not agree with that? It's absolutely, it's absolutely critical. Love, belonging, and connection are not only universal desires, they're very real needs that we must all meet. They must be met within us, or we experience physical, emotional, and psychological consequences as a result of that. We don't want to isolate and pull ourselves apart. We want to find ways that we can join together. It used to be thought that Obesity and substance abuse were the biggest health crisis facing our country. Do you know that now it is being thought that the greatest challenges facing us today are isolation and loneliness? That's such an easy thing to correct. It's such an easy thing to correct. We are so blessed in this community, if you think about it. We're blessed to have this teaching. We're blessed to have each other. We're blessed to have our life groups starting this week. And what are our life groups about? They're about doing life how? Together. Oh, thank you. You know that. They're about doing life together. How many of you find that it's, it's relatively easy to sit here in this beautiful space together and hear these ideas and go, yeah, I get it. I get it. I agree that I resonate with that. And then you step out into your life. Right? Do any of you still struggle sometimes to, to carry the feeling you have when you're here out in the nitty gritty of your life? Raise your hand if. Right. So, 
coming together with people of like mind and heart in our life groups or in other ways that you might do that, give us a chance to do life together, to not feel isolated, but to really, really connect, to really connect. Jesus talked about the importance of love. He said it was more important really than anything else. We were to love God with all our mind, with all our heart, with all our soul, and we were to love our neighbor as ourselves. He also said that they will be able to judge or they will be able to know that you are my disciples, meaning my students, by how well you love each other. Say that letter louder. By how well you love each other. He didn't say by how many you get to believe as you believe. He didn't say by how many look exactly like you look or do exactly what you do. He said simply by how well you love each other. And he didn't say that that love was man to man or woman to woman or woman to man or any mixture in between. He just said, love each other. Love each other. Connect with each other. And how we connect makes a difference. How we connect makes a difference. I was reading an article about a Harvard brain scientist. I do funny reading, guys. About a Harvard brain scientist by the name of Dr. Jill Bolte Taylor. She suffered a devastating hemorrhage, a stroke, that basically took out the functioning of the left hemisphere of her brain. And the left hemisphere of the brain is involved in things like memory and language and articulation. And she was left with a functioning right hemisphere of the brain. And she wrote about her experience in the hospital, how she, she had no memory of the past and she had to be fully in the now moment. And I thought, boy, I don't want a brain hemorrhage to get me there. But how many of us in our spiritual practice are really practicing to try to be in the now moment, right? More and more. Well, anyway, she was writing about that, but she said, or speaking about that, and she said this, as doctors, nurses, and visitors entered my hospital room, I became acutely aware of the energy surrounding them and surrounding me. And then she said she determined as a result of that, so she became acutely aware of the energy of the people entering her room. And she said that she found that there were just two kinds of people. And whenever I hear somebody say or write, there are just two kinds of people or three kinds of people, I'm always curious what are the blanks they're gonna fill in. And this is the way she filled in those blanks. She said there are those who bring energy and there are those who drain energy away. Amen, right? Right. Who do you think we're called to be? In our call to love, to trust the call to love, to rise above, we are called to be the ones who bring energy. And how do we do that? We do that very simply by being with one another in a way that helps the other to feel seen, to feel heard, to feel affirmed, and to feel accepted. You know, we're living in a time of a lot of social uprising. I think about the Me Too movement as one example of a very important social uprising that's happening. It's been long overdue. And part of what 
is happening in this social uprising is women are, are saying, I need to be seen. I need to be heard. I need to be affirmed and accepted. I need to tell my story. Not to dwell in the story. There's a big difference between dwelling in it and making the story be what you are. You are so much more than the story. But it's awfully difficult to fully embody the realization that you are so much more than your story if you've never had a chance to tell that story. Right? If you've never had a chance to tell that story in a way in which you truly felt, I'm seen, I'm heard, I'm accepted, and I'm affirmed. One of the, I talked about this a little bit last week. One of the greatest personal gifts I've been experiencing is the gifts that I'm experiencing in the brave conversations that I've been holding in my home with the black and African American members of our community. As I have been sitting and asking, please talk to me, help me understand what it's like to be living in skin that's darker than mine in this day and age now. What is, what is that like for you? And more than what is that like for you, what can we as a community who are committed to our personal transformation and global healing, what can, what can we do? Is there something we can do? And because I am so by nature very task-oriented, I want to know, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And one of the greatest gifts that I've received in these gatherings is witnessing the power, the healing power, of people having a chance to be seen, to be heard, to be affirmed, and to be accepted. And to witness that is powerful. I believe that we as a spiritual community and that New Thought as a spiritual teaching are uniquely positioned to create brave spaces or safe places for brave conversations to be had. We are living in such polarized times right now. Do you not agree? Very deeply polarized times right now. I, there's no way we can emerge and heal if all we do is go into our separate corners and make the other, whoever in our mind is the other, wrong. We won't get there. The only chance we have of getting there is to open our hearts in a way in which we are vulnerable enough to put ourselves in a position to hear the other, to see the other, to accept the other, and to affirm the other. It doesn't mean that we're going to agree about everything. It doesn't mean that we're going to want to be BFFs. But we can't help to cross, we can't help to hope to cross the divide if we stay isolated and separated. Does that make sense? You're awfully quiet. Maybe I'm just talking to myself this morning. Maybe I'm just talking to myself. I care deeply about our world, and I believe that you do too. And I care deeply about our spiritual teachings, and I believe you do too, or you wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning. You care deeply. Part of our growth and evolution is to take that caring in whatever ways we feel equipped and guided to do out into the world to make the world somehow a more loving, safe, and beautiful place. The opposite of love is not hate. 
It is indifference. These words were written by Elie Wiesel. I finally got the name right, thank you, Jimmer. By Elie Wiesel. Elie was a Holocaust survivor, a Nobel Peace Prize winner, the author of a book, Thou Shalt Not Stand Idly By. The opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. I'm struck by those words, and I'm struck in part by those words because I can remember as a young person, if you had asked me a question, what's the opposite of love? I would have said hate. But I think he's much more right. You see, both love and hate have energy, right? Love is a verb. It better be a verb. If it's not a verb, then we're not doing love, okay? Love is a verb. Love has action to it. When we feel love for someone or something, we feel passion toward it. Our hearts open, we wanna do something. When we feel hate, we could say the same thing. It's a passion. It's the dark passion, but it's a passion. Indifference is I don't care. Indifference is I disengage. Indifference is I don't give you the time of day. This is why as individuals that are committed to our spiritual growth and evolution, we cannot stay in the place of indifference. We must, as the song Jimmer so beautifully sang, answer the call to love. Elie Wiesel wrote this. Whatever you do in life, remember, think higher and feel deeper. Life is not a fist. Life is an open hand waiting for some other hand to enter it in friendship. Ultimately, the answers are so simple. Not simplistic, but simple. But simple. It is to love. It is to help the other to feel heard. It is to help the other to be seen. It is to help the other feel accepted. It is to help the other feel affirmed. And let me close with these words. Now, more than ever, it seems to me, we're experiencing a painful divide that is separating us one from another. We must heal this divide, and true connection is the only way we're going to do it. Only we have the power to transform our collective consciousness, and only that will heal our world. Namaste. The Unity Center, spiritually progressive, socially responsive, radically inclusive. We have services on Sundays at 9 and 11. Many people enjoy Reverend Wendy's talks and meditations and aren't able to attend the Unity Center in person. If you're part of our extended family from around the world and would like to help support the Unity Center, please go to our website or download our free app, which offers even more ways to connect with the Unity Center. Namaste. Namaste.